Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Dew, and I am grateful that you have chosen to stop by and take a listen to this podcast or watch on YouTube, whatever the case may be. Uh, I am just uh, excited to be able to do what I do and and great grateful to the Lord for giving me this opportunity. So um, last week on the podcast, we talked about sounding the alarm and we talked about Stephen Furtick. Now, many of you know who Stephen Furtick is. You've heard the name. You've heard all sorts of things about Stephen Furtick. You've heard probably him speak. If you heard the podcast last week, then you heard everything that I kind of went through when I went through the video. We went through the video together. I hadn't seen most of that video before, so we kind of went through that video together last week. And uh, there were, I've, I've been getting some, some, some comments from some folks and uh, they were really appreciative of the video to really see who Stephen Furtick is. But then there is a group of people out there that would wonder, why even mess with this? Why do you even push back on this? If he's preaching the Bible, if he's talking about God, if he doesn't deny Jesus is God in the flesh, then why talk about him? Because aren't we all in this together? And really, I would say this. The Bible tells us in Galatians that if any man preaches a gospel Contrary to the one that they've preached, a different gospel, let him be accursed. And I've said this before on the podcast, that simply means to hell with that person. That is not a place that you want to find yourself. And unfortunately, Stephen Furtick does more than just use uh, loose language from the pulpit. He does more than just uh, wear, you know, walk around and wear holy pants and squirt people with water guns. His theology is bad. The gospel he teaches is bad. And what we're going to do on this episode of the podcast is you may see the 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 title of this episode is false teachers create more false teachers. Now, here's the problem that many people are enamored with Stephen Furtick and the way he looks, the way he communicates, the way he talks, the way he kind of carries himself on the stage, and many people try to imitate Stephen Furtick in their ministries. So you have all sorts of people running around the country trying to be Stephen Furtick, or not necessarily be Stephen Furtick, but be like Stephen Furtick, and they're trying to imitate him. Now, the Bible tells us that we, in Ephesians 5, 1, should be imitators of God. As a matter of fact, let me just read it to you. This is Paul to the church at Ephesus, and ultimately God to us through Paul as he was moved by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Ephesians. But we read this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Not be imitators of Stephen Furtick, not imitate his ministry. Now, I know many of you might push back. Some of you might say, well, well don't you want to emulate and imitate people's ministry that you look up to, that you like. So for instance, some somebody may say, well, don't you want your ministry and your preaching style and the way you do things to look like R.C. Sproul or Paul Washer or John MacArthur? And I would simply say absolutely not, because God created those men in his image and gave them their ministries for them to do with how he saw fit. God has given me a ministry and the elders at our church 
to be who he wants us to be. We don't want to imitate anybody. We just want to be able to rightly divide the word of God, stand behind the pulpit every Sunday morning and deliver the true word of God. Now, some of you may say, well, why are you calling out these other people? Because there are so many people across the world that have fallen into this false teaching just because of the cool factor or the easy listening that it provides and the comic breakthrough that it, the comic relief, you might say, and I said breakthrough because that's what we're going to be talking about here in just a second, Uh, but the comic relief some of these teachers may have, but they very seldom teach the true gospel. And the Bible is clear that those people are to be accursed. They will be accursed. And Paul goes on to say that he wishes they would just mutilate themselves or emasculate themselves. And that's some strong language. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but this is a a series that we're, that we're doing here, Sound the Alarm. And I want to sound the alarm to really get you away from the verdicts of the world. Because we're going to look at a guy here in just a few minutes. His name is Pastor Adam, and he's from a church called Active Church. And I was sent this by a listener, and uh, he, he tells me, the listener in the comments tells me that he is a narcissist, that he could care less about what people say. He is not going to be held accountable by the Bible. He is not going to be... Uh, you can tell him he's wrong. He's pretty much just going to laugh at you and different things like that. And we're going to break down some of this language because some of the language that he uses in this sermon is language that many people that follow Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes and they get in. Then you can get into the Priscilla Shriers of the world. And she she's a, a preacher that preaches to men and women. So they're alone tells me that she is out of line with the word of God and is in sin as a quote-unquote woman pastor that teaches the Bible to men as well as women. So you get into a lot of these things. Now, some of these people might teach uh, the, the methodology may just be not what we would like, and some of it is just outright wrong. I don't believe women should be pastors over men. They should be preaching the Bible over men. It shouldn't even be leading a Bible study over men, as we see Paul tell us that in the book of Timothy, that um, women should not hold the office of elder, pastor, or even authority over a man in the church in any way. So men should rightly divide the word. We can talk through that in another episode if you'd like to. If you would like to hear more about that, just please leave a comment and we'll do it. Uh, but many people that get caught up in this type of teaching get caught up in um, false teaching, and they're hearing something that is not necessarily the gospel. Many times it's not the gospel. So you're going to hear language from these people like your breakthrough is right around the corner. As a matter of fact, this sermon from Pastor Adam is called How Breakthrough Begins. And is, and, and if you want to grab your Bible and, and look along with us, he's going to be in John chapter 5. And uh, we're going to see what he says. We're going to listen for the gospel. And then we're going to listen to some of this language. And I'm going to take some time to really walk through some of this with you and let you see the dangers that are in this type of stuff here. And not only that, there's a lot of kind of comedic relief in this. And, and, and sometimes it doesn't land. You can tell it gets awkward at times. And let me just tell you, 
your pastor should stand up behind the pulpit. If he walks around a bit, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with walking, so don't hear me say that. But your pastor should stand behind the pulpit, open the Word of God, and say, Thus saith the Lord of God. Now, he doesn't have to say that, but what he does need to say is what the Word of God says. He needs to rightly divide the Word of God, meaning he needs to teach what the Bible says says in its context, not take it outside of its context and talk about a breakthrough. I'm going to give you a little commentary on this here in just a minute as I roll this light up just a bit because it's trying to blind me. Uh, We are very low budget here at the Dr. Matters podcast. Um, I will never ask for your money (laughs) like other ministries and online platforms will. So you'll never hear me say that here. Um, but anyway, this low budget stuff we got is trying to fall on me, but I think we got it fixed now. Uh, but we're going to hear Pastor Adam from uh, Active Church, and it's in it's somewhere in California. And again, I was sent this by a listener that listened to the recent podcast about uh, Stephen Furtick. So we're just going to listen to this because this is a Stephen Furtick reproduced pastor. And what I mean by that is this is a false teacher who has created another false teacher. And this is so dangerous because as one person emulates another, many more people are going to be hearing this. Many more people are going to be prone to hear false teaching, false gospels, and all that. And uh, this is just very dangerous. This is why we're wanting to sound the alarm here. Uh, So let's just listen to what Pastor Adam has to say about how a breakthrough begins And uh, here we go. Be and die. Come on. Amen. The devil can't handle a V or a die. I'm reading on the NIV today. I love barbecues because uh, they're a gathering place. Yesterday we we got together. And how many of you guys know, it used to be for me, it used to be (laughs) BYOB. Some of you guys know what that means. Um, some of you guys know what that means real well. But uh, nothing wrong with that a little bit, but we're just, I'm not here to judge. You know what I'm here to do? I'm here to tell you today, it's bring your own breakthrough. The comedic relief there didn't land. BYOB, it's okay, right? So it just almost seems like all those that may be struggling with alcoholism, in the congregation may have just heard their pastor say without any explanation that BYOB, which means bring your own beer. Um, just heard him say that that's all right. It's all good. That's okay. I'm not here to judge when really you need to expound on what you believe and what you mean when you say that, because you could be being a stumbling block for somebody in the congregation. What we say when we hold a microphone or in front of people or around people matters because we never know who's listening and people listen. And I don't know why he said this. It was probably a comedic thing that did not land. There was not much laughter, but I, I, we just have to be very careful what we say. And I don't want to criticize the man too much. I don't want to come across as one of those as, uh, that's always criticizing people, but I just want to be careful with what we say because I've gotten myself into trouble sometimes by saying some things I shouldn't have said. And this could have been very damaging for someone in the crowd that heard him say, BYOB, ah, that's okay. Uh, I'm not here to judge. That could, have been, that could have sent someone to a party that evening. Who knows what could have happened, but our words have weight. 
The Bible says in James that the tongue is like a, a, a forest fire set ablaze. We can do damage with what we say, so we have to be careful. But uh, he is saying for today, it's BYOB, bring your own breakthrough. Now, again, this is language that these type of pastors and churches like to use, breakthrough being one major word. So let's just listen a little bit and see what he says about bringing your own breakthrough. And by the way, I don't know, I may have started it a little too early. He's in John chapter 5. I think I may have told you that already, but John chapter 5, the healing at the pool on the Sabbath is the story that he's going to be coming from during this sermon. Bring your own breakthrough today. I don't know about you, but I, I like need a breakthrough in some areas of my life. Like raise your hand if you need God to just do something in your life, anything. Why not, right? I'm not going to give you the mic. I don't want to like scare you. Like if I raise my hand, will he like come down? I will not do that. But what I, what I want you to know is that there's a breakthrough on whatever, whatever, the, whatever you're going through right now, God wants to do a breakthrough in your life. He wants to break through some stuff. And I just want to prepare you today for this season that God would prepare your heart for what he wants to do in you and with you and through you because it's not over. Notice the the um, music continuing through the beginning, the intro of his sermon. This is something that that these churches like to do. And, and again, I'm not critiquing this, but it's kind of an emotional thing that grabs you from the beginning and then it it tapers off, then it picks back up, probably with 10, 12 minutes left in the sermon. I've already watched uh, nearly all of this sermon uh, the other day, and there are some troubling things, and this church is seemingly uh, kind of blown up, and uh, a lot of people beginning to attend this place. So uh, just one of those things where we need to be careful and not let churches play with our emotions because it's when we get this sort of um, sensationalism that begins to tickle and play with our emotions that we begin to say and do things that we might not nor normally do or ordinarily do. So it's just one of those tactics that has been used uh, to draw people in and to get them in some emotional uh, circumstance to be able to hear what he's about to say. And he's saying that God is going to do something in and through you and uh, it's going to be your breakthrough. Don't give up. And there's really some very uh, interesting language that he's going to use about that here in just a few minutes. Matter of fact, it looked like it was over on a, on a Friday. But praise be to God, on Sunday, everything changed. Let's read the Bible together. Sound good? Yes, let's do that. We're going to be looking at a story today that should encourage you. And uh, it's a story about a guy who was in the right place. X marks the spot. He was in the right place at the right time. Some of you here today, you thought you were just coming to a church at the Fremont Theater, but God's brought you here for the right place, right time, because you're the right person that God wants to use. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Let's read the Bible together, shall we? John 5.1 says this. Sometime later. Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there was many festivals. We're not sure which one it was, but he was there for a festival. And here's what it says. Now, there was 
Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Okay, there's a pool called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There's a pool with five covered colonnades. Five is the number of grace, as I told you, we're in John 5. We're believing that God is wanting to stir up your heart this morning to do a miracle, to do something through, to break through in your life. And what's going to happen, I believe, today is God's going to show us something. And in this verse, what happens next is pretty cool. It says, here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. We pray this as we get into our time together. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word, which is truth. I thank you that, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, forever, God. And Lord, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, God, that you may have not always been a part of the story that we've been a part of our, our past, but God, you certainly want to do something in the next season to be a part of our story. And Lord, I pray that right now that we'd come underneath or that we listen, that we open our hearts and our ears to, to what your spirit wants to speak to us, God. So Lord, use me now as a vessel, Father God, and help me get out of the way so that your word might do what it can do, which your word changes everything. God, your word never comes back void. So right now, Lord. Let's talk about your word changes everything. We have to understand that the word changes everything when it's rightly divided, when it is taught in context and not given in to this breakthrough stuff that he's fixing to talk about, but actually looking at the text and taking away its true meaning. So, yes, we want the Word of God to change people, but pastors must preach the true Word of God in context. I've told my church over and over and over, uh, one of the greatest rules of real estate is location, location, location. Well, when it comes to preaching, one of the greatest rules is context, context, context. What is God saying? Understand what God is saying and tell the people what He has said rightly and then teach them how to apply what God has said and they can go out and live according to his word and be changed from the inside out but it's got to be preached in context speak to us in Jesus name everybody said amen 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 Jesus is hanging out and he comes across, and there's a day, a specific day that he's coming into Jerusalem. But there's a, a meeting before the meeting, so to speak, that he's coming into town in Jerusalem for a, a purpose, for a reason, for this festival, a Jewish festival. But there was a specific reason why he came on that day. And there's a man laying by the pool, Bethesda, that is sick. He's not well. He's not able to walk. He's paralyzed. He has a he has a weakness, and he can't seem to get to where he needs to be. Have you ever felt like you can't get what you need from people? <laughs> or you can't get, like, God isn't doing what you told him to do? Like, God, I told you this is what I need. But you ever felt that tension of, like, I know where I need to be, but for whatever reason, my situation hasn't caught up to, where, to what my prayers are. Has anyone ever been there? And here's a man that's been lame or paralyzed for a long, long 
time. And Jesus is going to ask him something very interesting. There's a great number of people, verse 3 says, that used to lie around the pool, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And it goes verse 3 to verse 5, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. There's a reason why. It, doesn't, it skips verse 4 for some reason. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll teach you in a moment. Verse 5 says, one who was there who had been in an invalid for 38 years. Can you imagine being stuck in the same place at the same time every day, watching people pass you by, not being recognized, kind of looking around, seeing other people that you know, and you're 38 years paralyzed, not able to move. And it goes on, it says that when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Interesting that Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Because I know what I would say if Jesus was there. I would say, yeah, but we'll watch, we'll see what happens. The title of my sermon today is, How Breakthrough Begins. How Breakthrough Begins. Touch three people and say, this is how breakthrough begins. Touch three. Okay, this is another thing that these these guys do, and it's uh, touch three people, give people high fives. I mean, this guy has started reading the scriptures, and he has started into his sermon, but he now touch three people and tell them this. Touch three people and tell them this. Now, I know what's fixing to happen because I've seen it, and this is this is almost cringy. I mean, it is cringy for me. I don't know if it will be for you, but this is a pastor from the pulpit starting his message preached or he's he's read the text getting into it now he's breaking concentration by touching three people and that that's just weird to me in and of itself just touch three people and tell them whatever i tell you to tell them uh that's very furtick-esque he does those things many of these teachers like this do this and it is just oh i just hate it personally i don't know about you but I hate hearing someone do this. Touch three people, give three people high fives, uh, run around and hug 10 people or do whatever. It's time to hear God's word. Let's stop touching people. Let's stop looking at people. Let's stop hugging people at this point. But teach me the Bible should be the cry from the congregation. But he's telling them to touch three people and tell them something. Now, he's fixing to say something very cringy with the microphone in his hand from the stage during the middle of his quote unquote sermon. And uh, it makes me cringe. It made me cringe. I had to go back and listen to it again and make sure I heard what he, what I thought he said. And I just couldn't stand it. It bothered me so bad. There's no place for this. And uh, it, also, many times, I don't know if you heard it, he said uh, X marks the spot earlier. And he's a younger guy, kind of probably my age. It looks like, well, he looks a lot younger than I do. Let's face it. I don't know how old he is, but... Uh, he said X marks the spot earlier. And I don't know about you, but I grew up watching wrestling uh, back when it was real. <laughs> yeah, back when it was wrestling and it was real. And uh, this this tag team duo, D-Generation X, had this X marks the spot slogan. And it was very rude and vulgar and sexual in nature. So I'm I'm hoping that he didn't go there from that because that would have been very inappropriate from the pulpit slash stage that he's standing on during the middle of his quote-unquote sermon. But uh, that did make me cringe. I didn't make a big deal out of it. 
uh, when he said it, but uh, coupled with what he's about to say was really disturbing. And uh, just listen to this for yourself. Something that he says after he tells three people to or to touch three people and tell them whatever he said. But listen to what he says. Three people say, this is how breakthrough begins. Go ahead. Sir, don't touch her leg like right there. That's awkward. Shoulders. Another joke that did not land. It didn't seem like it landed. It seemed very cringy. It seemed very inappropriate. Sir, don't touch her leg. Touch, don't touch her there. That's inappropriate. Could you imagine being in the congregation and him locking eyes with you and you didn't touch anybody? And you could tell it's a joke. Um, this is from the from the stage. I don't want to say pulpit because there is not one. There's a podium. That's fine. He's got a Bible on it. But if you watch, he doesn't even use the Bible. He uses the iPad. Um, but that that's that that is just inappropriate to me. And I may be a little old school now as I'm getting older. I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't like it. I wish he wouldn't have said it. I'd be interested to know what you think. Um, but and we're not going to listen to this whole sermon, by the way. I know that we've already listened to big chunks of this, but uh, we're just going to listen to the first few minutes of it, and then and then we'll we'll turn it off, and we'll have a few comments about it, and then we'll be on with our with our day. This is how breakthrough begins. Tell us how breakthrough begins. I uh, a church I came from in Las Vegas, which I feel very Las Vegasy, like with my flamingo shirt on today. My mother in law was like, "You just need a flamingo hat now." And you could just be all flamingo, like the, like the hotel. And I'm like, thank you. It's not what I was going for. But um, love you, Dory. Again, we're getting into the message, the meat and potatoes of the message. And he derails the thing by talking about his flamingo shirt and his mother-in-law telling him he needs a flamingo hat. And this is story hour is left for the library and whatever else this is time for the god for the word of god to be divided amongst his people but this is not happening so far and we're almost 10 minutes into this thing and he's going to tell us how breakthrough begins of course um but the reality is i saw a lot of weird stuff in las vegas you see a lot of weird things in vegas by the way some of you guys have visited there i lived there for six and a half years i did ministry i could see the stratosphere from our offices. It was literally, we're a mile and a half from the strip. We were a 2,000 person church a mile and a half from the Las Vegas strip. So I saw a lot of weird things. And one of the things that tripped me out the most about this time in Vegas and serving at a church at a, at a very outreach driven, non-denominational Bible-based church, we, we were very always driven towards the, the, the hurting, the broken, we wanted to help give hope and healing to those that needed it the most. So we had like millionaires sitting next to guys that were literally just lost their last dollar that had been pulling the, you know, pressing the, the slot machine at the gas station. I mean, you have people that were just broken, guys that were once, you know, very well off contractors that just during the recession in 09 just took a hit and just never recovered. So we knew that these people were coming in. But here's what I always thought was interesting. I thought it was weird. There were people, the people would come to our church and walk in with no intentions of ever changing their life. They just wanted to come. They wanted the coffee. They wanted the fellowship, I guess. They wanted someone they could talk to. And I get it. If you're here today and you're just like, I have no intention of changing. I just want to be around positive people. Guess what? 
I am positive that Jesus loves you. I am positive that God wants to change your life. I am positive this is a place for you to belong before you believe. Amen? Let's talk about that just for a second. This is, if you listen to the last episode about Stephen Furtick, there was a, t- a clip in there that said, if you want doctrine, if you want theology, if you want to, if you've just become a Christian, this is not the place for you. If you want doctrine, this is not the place for you. This place exists so people that don't know Jesus can get to know Jesus, which that's great in a church, but that's not what a church is. A church is a gathering of the saints, of believers, where they come to grow in grace and holiness, and they lift one another up. They sing with one another. They hold each other accountable. They admonish one another. They do all of these things, and that is what a church is. And apparently this church he came from was the same type of way where many people come in that had no intentions of changing, he said. So obviously it's this seeker sensitive type movement of a church that he came from. So that's his, that's his mentality as a church. So then these people come in. So apparently it's not their church family that comes in when they have hundreds and uh, a couple of thousand there every Sunday that come into this building that have no intentions of changing. But then they hear that God loves them and wants to change their life. Now, that is an area that we can discuss and we can have debates over and we can um, really talk through and, and have comment back and forth or we can have a debate scheduled for a camera session like this at some point. But the problem is many people have this God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life kind of Jeremiah 29 11 mentality. And all they tell people is God has a wonderful plan. God loves you. Well, if you read Psalm 5, Proverbs 6, you see that God hates the evildoer. And we need to be, as pastors, need to tell people, yes, God is good, God is gracious, God is holy, and we are not. We need to tell people that they are sinners in need of a great and mighty, powerful Savior. Because without that Savior, we will die in our sins and go to hell. And somebody that does not hear that Jesus came and he died, was buried, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God, and where he will eventually come back and judge the living and the dead. Those people that don't understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior will never understand the good things of God. And then even then, we are called to suffer with Christ not to have this great, prosperous, awesome life. We are going to suffer as true believers in Christ. That is what people need to hear when they walk into a church door. The unbeliever should leave very frustrated and offended with us unless the Holy Spirit grasps their heart and begins to soften it and change it, and they hear the gospel. And unbelievers should leave frustrated. Believers should leave frustrated. Believers should leave challenged and frustrated with their sin, but willing to do something about it. Unbelievers should leave mad. When they are confronted with their sin, when they hear that they're sinners, when they hear that homosexuality is a sin, abortion is a sin, all of these things that the Bible says is sin, they hear that and they realize that they are part of that, they should leave mad, irritated, ticked off unless the Holy Spirit begins to work in their life. So churches need to understand that they are not a true church unless they tell the bad news that they're sinners, that their people are sinners, along with the good news 
that there is a Jesus who came, lived a perfect life, died the death we deserved, was buried, three days rose again. He ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of God. And one day is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And for all of those that don't repent of their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer a punishment, the wrath of God, and they will be cast into hell for eternity. But those that repent, that turn from their sin, that change their mind, that believe that Jesus came, died, was buried, and rose again, ascended to the right hand of God, God, and is coming back one day to judge the living and the dead, those that believe that and declare Jesus the Lord of their life will not receive the wrath of God. The wrath of God has been poured on Christ on their behalf. And when they die, they will be welcomed into eternity with him. And that is what people need to hear more than God loves them and has a wonderful plan for their life. They need to hear the bad news with the good news. And any church that doesn't tell the bad news of sin is not a church. Now, I will give them this. I don't remember the rest of this and what he's about to say. So he could turn around and say that they told him they were sinners and going to hell and needed of a savior. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's just listen for a couple more minutes because I want to really let you hear what he says about how the breakthrough begins. So let's just keep going here. Because that's what we do here. I'm not trying to sell you Jesus. God is the God draws people to men. I don't. I just I'm one beggar saying that's where I get food. <laughs> that's how I eat. But I thought it was interesting. That's how he eats, but he's got to tell people about Jesus, and he's got to tell people about their sin. And apparently he's taking this same mindset into this church where he is now at Active Church. And this is a problem because, yes, you can talk about God all you want to. You can talk about Jesus all you want to. But until you lay out the sinfulness of man and the redemption of God through Christ, you do not have a church. Because... People would come in all the time and they would just want to, to hang out, but they didn't want to change. It's like when I used to go to the gym. I say used to. I'm trying to get back into it. I'm trying to do legs, Brandon. It's hard, man. I know. Struggle's real. Okay. And I, I used to go to the gym with my friend Chris Simmons, and Chris was like really into the gym, so much so that after he'd go work out, he'd come, we'd come to my house, we'd drink protein, and then... By the way, this is another story happening right in the middle of his sermon. We are waiting to hear how the breakthrough begins, but we keep hearing story after story after story. It is now time, after the text has been read, to expound on that text, to explain the text, and then help us apply the text and what God has said. But that is not happening. It's story hour. And he had this. we had this long mirror in my hallway, and Chris would come in, and he would like, start like doing this. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? He's like, oh, I just like to like flex after I, I'm like, you're lame. No, no, Chris. If you're watching, Chris, I love you. But we used to go to the gym and one day Chris was like really into the gym, like really into it. And uh, he got real buff too. I was like, dude, I want to work out with you. Cause like, that's the guy I want to work out with. It's like, you know, getting gains. And I remember one day there was this guy, we'll call him Jake. Jake was there at the gym every day, but he didn't look like Chris. He looked like just average me. Like he didn't, he, but he was there like every time I went to the gym at 24 Hour Fitness in Bakersfield, California on Whiteland and Gosford. Every time I was there, Jake was there just walking around, talking to everybody. Like Jake was the gym guy, but Jim, Jake didn't look like a gym guy. He looked like a regular dude, okay? And one day I asked Chris, I said, Chris, 
what's up with Jake? Because we knew Jake from high school, and he goes, oh, Jake doesn't want gains, man. Jake just likes to talk to people at the gym. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? You're on the treadmill, and they just come up to you. <laughs> so what's new? Oh, I'll tell you what's new in my life. And they just start talking. I've never had anybody do that to me in the gym, by the way. <laughs> I've never been working out and somebody just prop up that doesn't work out. That's just there to talk, join in in conversation with me. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. I do think this story has some relevance of his breakthrough, uh, how it begins, I believe. And you're like, hey, are you going to work out or are you just here to talk? And Jake just thought the gym was social. Jake liked to go look at like the girls in like the aerobics center. Jake was a little creepy, okay? Don't judge Jake. You're at church. <laughs> Did you hear what he just said? Don't judge Jake. You're at church. However, he is judging Jake as he speaks and tells of this story that he just shows up. He's average guy. He doesn't work out. He just talks. Uh, Jake's a little creepy, uh, but don't judge Jake while I'm judging Jake. Do you see how this is so ignorant as you tell these stories? I, and I think just trying to get a laugh like this out of him by saying, don't judge Jake while I'm judging Jake. It, it's really frustrating to me. And I hope, I hope you understand and see what this produces when you try to be like somebody else. It just produces nonsense. And it's 11 minutes and 40 seconds into his sermon, and we still have no clue how to begin a breakthrough, and we have no clue what the text is teaching in John chapter 5. Not about Jake's life. And I remember I... I it's not about Jake's life, but he's telling us all about Jake's life. Keep... The, do you... I thought to myself, why does he, because Jake didn't want gains. Jake just liked going to the gym. See, Jake was not about change. Jake was just about being around the people that were trying to change because Jake just wanted to hang out. He had no intention of ever changing. And I feel like that's what's going on with me sometimes. Can I just tell myself real quick? There's things in my life that I want to change, but I have no intention of changing. I hate my email inbox. Real talk. It's the bane of my existence. My wife looks at me like you're crazy. More stories, yeah, guys. I have this... forty-four thousand emails in my inbox right now. I know, right? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You got stuff too. And I know I don't like it, but here's the deal. Stacey's like, just go through it all, delete it. But I'm like, it's a mountain of inboxes now. I just know what I need to save because if I just do all, here's my, here's my theory. I want to just go in there and just throw a bomb and just delete everything, but then I know I'll need it. So I just don't delete it. Just click all, yeah, there you go, yeah. I like it. We can talk back in this church too, by the way. Amen, come on somebody. So here's what I do, here's what I do, here's what I do. I, my wife says, just, just go through and delete them all. And guess what I say? I'm not going to do it. Nope. I'm not. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. And in 10 years from now, I'll have 50, no, I'll probably have 80,000 emails in my inbox. And you're thinking, what kind of pastor is this? I don't even know if I want to go to this church anymore. Don't worry. My wife's very organized. The fact that he has 44,000 emails that he doesn't delete in his inbox should be the least of the people in this congregation's worries when it comes to whether or not they want to go to this church or not. They should be worried that it is now almost 14 minutes into this sermon with only 
the whole thing is 39 minutes long. So he's approaching halfway through and not even really gotten into anything. All he's done is read the text and tell at least three stories, maybe four, maybe five. And he keeps diverting. He keeps going back and, and, and telling other stories and not sticking to the text. And it's just this cool factor. It's this want to be cool, want to be funny. And that is typically what you get with these guys because let me just be honest with you. There are not a lot of people that are going to stay and listen to someone like John MacArthur that doesn't move, that's wearing a suit, that isn't going to be the best communicator. But John MacArthur stands up there and teaches the Word of God faithfully every single Lord's Day. Again, last week I said I don't agree with John MacArthur on everything. I don't agree with R.C. Sproul on everything. We shouldn't agree with everybody on every single point of doctrine. However, these men are going to stand up and they're going to rightly divide the Word of God. And they're going to do so with passion and clarity, whether they move, whether they wear skinny jeans, whether they wear holy jeans, whether they wear flamingo shirts, or whether they wear their suits. They are going to rightly preach the text that God has given us in his word. Those are the pastors that you need to find. Those that don't care about being cool. Those that don't tell, care about having funny little stories. Now, there are times when little little stories can uh, really emphasize the text you're preaching, but that is very rare and should be very rare in a sermon. Uh, this is nothing but story so far, and it's the cool factor that's really drawing people in because he is quote-unquote relevant. And I would rather have somebody that rightly teaches the Word of God for an hour and wears a suit and is monotone over somebody that's going to stand up here, open the Word of God, and just tell stories for 15, 20 minutes and then spend five minutes working through the text and then tell me how I'm going to have a breakthrough. Love you, Stacy. But here's the deal. Here, what am I saying? What am I saying? I don't know. Some of you to come to church every Sunday and you go, come on, preach. But you have no intentions of ever changing. Just like I look at my dentist back in the day, which I do floss now. But Here back in the day, I'd say, I'm just not going to floss, dude. I tell my hygienist, I'm just not going to floss. Here we go again with another story. Where are we going with the stories here? Another one. Are you frustrated yet? If you're not, we need to have a conversation. I don't do it. I don't floss. I don't floss my teeth. Now I do. But some of, some of you are looking at here right now and you're going, you're coming to church and you're excited and you listen to podcasts and you listen to stuff on, on line and on radio. But you, here's the deal. You have that area that you're just basically saying, I'm not going to change. See, God wants to do something in your life, but you have to open up that place in order for him to break through in your life. Let me see if I can rewind this without having to hear a lot of the stories. Uh, we're at 14 minutes and 13 seconds. Listen to this very carefully. See, God wants to do something in your life, but you have to open up that place in order for him to break through in your life. God wants to do something in your life, but for him to be able to do that, you've got to open up that thing so he can. So I'm guessing that your breakthrough begins when you open up that place in your life where you need that breakthrough, where you need God to do something. Let me, let me point out to you somebody in the, in, in the book of Acts. Um, many of you know Saul, and he ultimately became Paul and, and wrote a lot of the New Testament. And 
Saul was on his way to Damascus. He was on the road to Damascus, and uh, Saul did not open up that part in his life of which needed to be saved. Uh, He did not open up that because he would rather be religious and torture Christians, put them in prison, kill Christians, do all of these things. And he was not going to open up that part where he needed a breakthrough. And his breakthrough was salvation, but he was not going to open up and let God break through that part of his life that he needed. So he just kept it hidden. He just kept it covered. He just kept it to where nobody could even mess with that part of his life. And so Saul stayed Saul the rest of his life, and he died and went to hell. No, that is not the case. Saul, on his way to Damascus to imprison Christians, was knocked down. God saved Saul, changed his name to Paul, and it was nothing of Paul's doing. It was all God in that very moment just, bam, blinded him for three days, changed him, and saved him. Paul was changed by God, and it had nothing to do with Saul not opening up that part of his life to God. Let me tell you something. When God wants to break through something, he's going to break through it whether you like it or not, whether you want him to or not. Why? Because God is sovereign. We are not. Who are we to think that we can manipulate God or we can keep God from doing something just because we won't open that part of our life to him where we need change. So ultimately, what he would be saying, if we need um, a breakthrough in our finances, well, we're going to have to open up that part of our lives to him or else he will never break through our finances and give us what we need. This is ridiculous talk from a stage where people are listening, where this church has actually had more people flock to it. This sermon was in 2019. It is now 2021. The church is bigger. It, it's, it's got more lights, more, uh, more action, more theatrics. It's, it's much larger now, and this is the type of teaching they're going to hear. They're going to hear that you have to change. You have to do something to enact this breakthrough that you've been waiting on for years and years and years. God will not do anything until you let him. That is not the sovereign God of the Bible. That is us saying that we are sovereign and we're going to do what we want to. And if we want God to move, then we will. Newsflash, God's will will be done in our lives, whether we like it or not, and he will receive the glory from it. There's nothing that we can activate within us. There's nothing that we can uncover. There is nothing that we can do when God wants to do what only he can do. He's going to do what he wills in our life, and he is going to get the ultimate glory for it. And if God is doing it through us, you can bet that he is going to strengthen us. We will be saved according to his plan. We will be sanctified according to his plan through the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens in our life, good or bad, will be a result of the sovereign God either making it happen or allowing it to happen. God is sovereign overall. He's in control of everything, including our lives. 
a uh, few podcasts back, you probably heard when we talked about Jesse Duplantis, when he said that God is not in control of all things, man is. That is false. That is what Pastor Adam here at Active Church would like for you to think as well, that you're in charge of your own breakthrough if you open it up to allow God to break through it for you. This is false teaching. This is heresy. This should be marked and avoided. This type of teaching, this type of language has no place in any place that calls themselves a church under the name of God, Christian, or the Bible. The Bible is being taken out of context here. And let me just say this to you too. Look up the scriptures where there is uh, passages talking about your breakthrough. Talk about breakthrough. Why is he not taking us to uh, passages through God's word showing us where this breakthrough is something that is actually biblical because it's not. He can't take you. He won't take you through the word when it comes to a breakthrough because he is teaching false doctrine from the stage and manipulating people and people are being deceived quietly and subtly. Why? Because they're taking his word for it. They're not testing the spirits. They're just letting him tell them what the, he thinks the Bible says, and they're just going to listen to it. He has not even gone back to John chapter 5 yet, and we're almost 15 minutes into his sermon with only a, uh, a little over half of the time remaining. There is a place that you have. There is a mat that, you, that you're holding on to. Just like the lame man had a mat that was comfortable, there was a place that he sat every day and he'd hang out. And he'd say, hey, someone's here. If someone can help me, I'd be great. And every day he'd, he'd figure out how to get to the colonnades. He'd get to the porch. He'd hang out by the pool. And he'd say, wish somebody would help me. I wish somebody would change me. I wish someone would help me get close to the pool. Then I could touch the water. It, it's so much so that he wanted someone. He liked the idea of God changing his life, but he didn't like the idea of God changing him. Hello. He liked the idea of God changing the situation, but he didn't want to really change. And I want to ask you this morning, that place, that mat, that thing, as Jesus asked the man, do you want to be, do you want to be made well? Let me ask you this. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Why? Hey, Justin Peters, I know that you're probably not watching the Dr. Matters podcast or listening to it. Hey, Justin Peters, do you want to be made well? I'm sure that your answer is yes. Um, if we could have a conversation, but you must not be opening up that spot in your life for God to make that big breakthrough to heal you. You like the idea of God changing your situation and your circumstances, but you really don't want to change. Now, if you don't know who Justin Peters is, Justin Peters has cerebral palsy, and uh, you can see his story on American Gospel and, and many YouTube channels have had him on, Clouds Without Water. Justin Peters was not healed at one of these faith healer crusades, and this is a man of God who trusts God, loves God, has faith in Christ, and is a herald for the Christian community. He is a herald for the name of Christ. He is an ambassador for Christ, a man that just loves Jesus, his family, and he is still 
in a wheelchair or walking with his crutches. He is not healed. Would he like to be healed? Absolutely. I'm sure that he would say yes, but he is not going to stop or lose heart because he isn't. He's going to continue on suffering for Christ. This could be part of what God has for him forever, and likely it is. And he is going to die and be welcomed into heaven one day. And Jesus is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And nobody is going to say to him, well, you just didn't open up this area of your life so God could give this big breakthrough in your life. No, that's not going to be what's said. It's going to be well done, my good and faithful servant, because he understands that we must suffer with Christ. There is nothing to do with a breakthrough here. Breakthroughs are just a simple way to manipulate you into coming to a church, to manipulating you into believing that you are in control of your own destiny, that there is something that you can do to change your circumstances. The best thing you can do to change your circumstances is repent of your sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, get a Bible, read it, study it, and get involved in a biblical church that's going to teach you the truth about what the Bible says. Get in a church that's going to hold you accountable and not let you listen to garbage like this. This kind of stuff is being spewed all over the world, and people are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. And I can't help but think about going fishing, and uh, times I've gone fishing and one of these fish just swallowing the bait and getting the hook way down deep in their bellies and uh, you have to really do some work to get the hook out and it just it's just awful and sometimes I've seen people have to cut these fish open to get these hooks out of them after they've been it's just terrible things and this is kind of what this kind of theology does is people just swallow it whole and then it takes some work to get it out of them out of their system and that's what the Lord is doing right now I believe that there's a trickling down effect happening. I believe that faucet is opening up a little more, that people are tired of this type of stuff, this theatrical stuff, this storytelling, and people are longing for the word of God. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. The the sheep, the true believers are going to get wind of this. If they're in churches like this, God is going to move them out to find biblical teaching. This is nothing more than theatrical comedy that is leading people astray with false doctrine and false narratives. I'm only going to listen for because another second. Because unless you want to be made well, God won't move. He wants to move. Unless you want to be made well, God won't move. What did he say? Let's go back. I don't think he said anything biblical here, but I want to make sure that I heard what I think he, what I think I heard. Because every one of you right now is thinking, I'm you're the exception. I'm the exception to the rule. You don't know my story, Pastor. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what they did. You don't know what she said. You don't know what, what they did to me. I was just a kid, and I want to tell you right now, I have so much compassion for you, and I know that you've been through some stuff. And if we were to have coffee and me and my wife were to sit down with you and we were to ask you, hey, where are some areas you're struggling? I'm the exception to the rule. I didn't you go don't back know my enough. story, Pastor. I could touch the water. It, you're saying, no, nah, Pastor, you don't know my situation because every one of you right now is thinking, I'm, you're the exception. I'm the exception to the rule. You don't know my story, Pastor. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what they did. You don't know what she said. 
you don't know what, what they did to me. I was just a kid, and I want to tell you right now, I have so much compassion for you, and I know that you've been through some stuff. And if we were to have coffee, and me and my wife were to sit down with you, and we were to ask you, hey, where are some areas you're struggling? I would be crying with you over the brokenness that's happened in your life, because I have it too. But the story you keep telling yourself and the, re- the story that you reside to will be the reality that you live in. And for this man at the pool of Bethesda, his story was no one knows what I'm going through. Nobody has any idea what I'm going through. I'm the exception to God's power. Can I tell you something? I don't know what you're going through exactly, but I do know Jesus. And Jesus is bigger than anything you're going through today. And he can change you. It's, that's truth, because he changed me. That's the first bit of truth that we have heard, that Jesus is bigger than anything you're going through, and he can change you. And it's interesting that he added on that caveat, and that's truth, as if the rest of the things he said was not. And as we have seen, a lot of what he has said has not been truth. And uh, I, I guess I didn't go back far enough or didn't do anything, but he said, unless you want to be changed, God won't move in your life. You have to want to be healed for God to heal you. And again, I would like to refer to Justin Peters and the the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of other people that believe in Christ and, and live a godly life who are carrying some sort of ailment with them, whether it be sickness, cancer, or some other sort of disease. Those people want to be healed too, and I'm sure they've done everything that they can and continue to pray for God to heal them. But if he doesn't, they're still going to live faithful lives in Christ and still do what God has called them to do. So this nonsense of God is going to heal you if you want to be healed, that is nonsense. And this is the stuff that's being spewed out all across the world. We've already been I here. Change. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to change. Everyone in your row right now has a condition. Did you know that? Everybody. You're thinking, no, they look pretty well put together. No, they just hide it really well. So do I. I have spiritual and emotional problems. So do you. <laughs> we all do. Because guess what? You go to church, God does something in your life. You get tuned up. You get, you get lined out. But guess what? Like your car, your car doesn't go, you don't get an alignment and oil change and tune up at Chevrolet or wherever you go or Honda and then drive your car for 100,000 miles with Oh my gosh, my alignment's still perfect. Oh my gosh, I don't need an oil change. No, no, you got to get realigned. And just like your car, your spiritual and emotional life gets out of alignment. And so what we do is we end up covering it up. We end up covering our spiritual stuff up because I can talk, if I know the Bible, I can go to a Bible study and whack some pretty cool prayers and say some pretty cool theological things. And I can talk about eschatology and I can talk about, you know, different aspects of, you know, uh, you know how, how do you read this when the content and context, and I could say words that sound smart, but in the reality, I can mask my spiritual sin. I can mask my spiritual condition. So can you. I can mask my emotional health by, by acting like I'm positive, by posting an Instagram post. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. God he greatly is the greatest Lord and greatly to be praised. I can mask that and I can throw out scripture and I can throw out stuff on Instagram and you would think that I'm fine, but the reality is everybody on your row has something that they're going through. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? So for the next 15 minutes, I want to convince you that God wants to do a breakthrough in your life. But let me ask you, do you want to be made well? 
I wonder where you need a breakthrough. I was recently thinking about an area where I needed a breakthrough. I won't give you all the details, because I'm still going through it. There's a couple areas in my life where I'm going, man, God, I need a breakthrough in this area. And I'm a pastor. I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to do this. So feel good about yourself. I'm still figuring it out, too. Just a little bit further than you. Just a little bit. This dude just said he is a professional Christian. Professional Christian. Because he is getting paid to do it. He's holding a microphone. And he's a professional Christian. This insinuates that in some way he is greater than the people that he is speaking to. Those baseball players on TV that I was watching tonight, the New York Yankees and the Boston uh, Red Sox, they're much greater at baseball than I am. I'm sitting here in my home office, and they're out on a baseball field, some of which are my age or even older, so they're much greater than I am. So to say that I'm a professional Christian would be, in some ways, saying that I'm better than anybody that else that is not a pastor or anybody that's not in full-time ministry is not a professional Christian. The words professional and Christian should never go together, yet this guy has said it from the stage. And I promise you guys, some of you may have checked out already, and I understand, uh, but I just want to hear, this is amazing to me, uh, I want to hear just a little bit more of what he's about to say. and. Uh, uh, just then we'll turn it off. He's not, but here's the reality. I'm asking God, I'm laying in bed there tonight. I'm going, God, why won't you just do fill in the blank? You ever been there? Where do you need a breakthrough? Cause I guarantee your prayers have been, if you would only just do this. And I was praying prayers. Like if you could just change them to see it from my perspective, if only they could see it like I see it. If only they would do with it the things that I wish they would do, then we'd be good, God. And God hit me with the Holy Spirit smackdown. He just said, stop. Stop being a victim. What? Stop being a victim. That's what the Lord spoke, spoke to me. He didn't speak to me audibly, but that's what I felt in my heart. Stop pretending like you're innocent and you have nothing you can do about this because there's a God in heaven that says, I'm greater than any mountain you could ever face. I'm greater than any storm you could ever face. So stop acting like you don't have a God that can move mountains for you and start acting like a person that has faith to believe that if I say mountain move this way, that God can do it through me. And I felt so relieved to go, my God did not save me so I could be a victim that my God saved me so I could be a victor. But that doesn't mean that he's going to move mountains just because you said move mountains and do it through you. God's going to move mountains if God wants those mountains moved. There's a difference between God's will and man's will. God's will will always win out over man's will. As a matter of fact, the Bible is full of this. Proverbs 16, 9 is probably the one of the go-to verses for man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. What God wants to do will happen. Joseph didn't want to go into a well. Joseph didn't want to be sold into slavery. Joseph didn't want to rise up and become second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph didn't want to lose his brothers only to, to reconnect with them again later on in the book uh, of Genesis. But God established those steps. 
and we get one of the greatest passages of scripture we ever hear from that what you intended for evil god meant for good what joseph's brothers meant for evil god meant for good the same thing god does this god means things for good god gets his glory through all things through the things that god does in and through people's lives in and through your life in and through my life god gets the glory god does his will not man this guy is saying that your will can activate god's will and he will work synergistically with you to do whatever you want him to do and that is simply not what the bible says if god does something that you ask and pray for it's because what you are asking and praying for has already aligned with his will that has been decreed and declared before you were ever even born before you were thought of god in his providence knows everything that's going to happen in your life and when you pray for something it's part of god's will it is god's will if it if you ask for it and it happens it's god's will if you ask for something and it doesn't happen it's god's will so your will is not going to override or activate god's will in any way shape or form and i keep saying we're going to turn this off but this is just fascinating the, the if you notice now he's he's using a little more christian language and a little more biblical language and he's wrapping it up and that's what these guys do they use just enough scripture and just enough language to make us think that oh my pastor is really good this guy's a really good communicator and speaker because he is teaching the word he's using just enough to wrap it and and we got to be careful with people that use just enough scripture to wrap things up to make it appear that they're good and know what they're doing and know what they're talking about because satan wraps himself as an angel of light it, he makes himself look good when really he is the enemy and all evil comes from him so i promise you a couple more minutes I wonder where you need a breakthrough this morning i wonder where you need a breakthrough to say god do something in my life maybe you've been there Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you've been playing the victim card. Maybe your, your car won't start and you're going, oh, this is just like it always is. Or maybe it's just a bad ignition. I don't know. Devil's trying to get me. Maybe he's not. Maybe you just stopped. You didn't get your car tuned up. And you just let it go. Maybe you spill coffee on your favorite shirt or on your pants like I did this morning. Maybe your kids won't listen to you. Can I get an Amen. The break, these are the breakthroughs Gosh, people may they need. They won't just listen to me. Could they just listen to me, Stacy? God, they won't listen to me, babe. What do I do? Well, you need to calm down. You need to, I know. Maybe, maybe your friends just don't return your calls. They're just like them. They just don't return my call. They don't text me back. They don't DM me back. Maybe you feel like you're used and rejected by everybody. Maybe he said he loved you and he never called you back. These things are not suffering. These things are part of life. And he's saying maybe this is the breakthrough you need. This is the area where you need a breakthrough. This is hot garbage, to say the least. This is hot garbage, and we should not give it the time of day. This is this is bad. Now you're by yourself, and you're going, I thought I was, I guess it's going to be like this all the time. I guess I'm just forever lonely. She didn't call me back. She said she loved me. He said he loved me, but now he's gone. Maybe you've accepted the fact, listen, that it's always going to be this way. Have you been there in your marriage, your relationships, that addiction, that thing that you don't want anyone to ask you about? Have you ever been there? It's just always going to be like this. I'm always going to struggle with anxiety. I'm always going to be stressed out. 
I'm always going to be fighting. I'm always going to be filling the blank. I'm always going to, it's always going to be. The guy was like, it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to have this stupid mat. I'm always going to have this thing. It's where, when I wake up, there's my mat. When I go to sleep, there's my mat. When I'm at the pool, hanging out, hoping that just maybe, just maybe, someone would help me, there's my mat. Where's, what's your mat? What's the thing that you're thinking, this will never change? I need a breakthrough, but this thing will never change because I know you're thinking, I'm the exception, you're not. God wants to do a breakthrough in your life. He wants to break through with your kids. Then he's going he to do it. Break through in your marriage. Then he's going he to do it. Break through in your finances. Then he's going to do but it. He needs you to believe that maybe, just maybe, there is a guy named Jesus that can change. You know what? It's interesting. I hear people talk about what they need prayer for a lot because I'm a pastor. If you don't believe in Jesus, then he's not going to. The only breakthrough you need is salvation. Professional Christian, so I get paid to do this. He said he was just joking earlier. Did you catch that when he said the whole professional Christian thing? Did you catch that he said, I'm just joking? You probably didn't because it was a quick transition. But he said, I'm just joking when he said that earlier. But he has said it again. He's a professional Christian. This is a narcissistic pastor. And sadly, many people would rather have a narcissistic pastor and leader than a biblical one. And we see this playing out right in front of us, right here. By the way, I don't need a platform to be on fire for Jesus. As a matter of fact, I don't need a, I don't need a microphone because I talk to people all the time and I, I get the chance to, to tell people about Jesus because he's done something in my life. So guess what? Some of you guys will never hold this microphone, but God's got a platform for you somewhere that you have a place of business, a place of influence, a sphere of influence in your real estate company, in your small business, at work. God wants to use you. You don't need a microphone to be influential for Jesus Christ. But I guess they still won't be a professional Christian. That's enough. I, I can't do any more. There's still... 15 minutes left of this. And I know that the, the uh, guitar is fixing to come in for those uh, emotional times of getting people uh, emotionally triggered. Let's just fast forward a little bit. Let's see what it sounds like. This here. is the place for your breakthrough. I think they hear me. I think God's using this. Can you feel faith being welled up inside your spirit this morning? I hope so. I tell you about grace. Some of you have been waiting for God to come down in your situation. But Jesus is the perfect representation of grace in your life. Here's why. The man is looking at Jesus saying, don't you, he's trying to explain to Jesus how it works around here. Don't you realize how it works, Jesus? I got to get to the water to be made well. And Jesus is saying, I know you need to get to the water because that is why the water has come to you. Because I am the water. I am the living water. And if you drink from me, you will never be thirsty again. Can I tell you, my friend, that you need a breakthrough today. And it starts with inviting the host, the Lord of hosts, the, the King of kings, 
the Lord of Lords to come into your life to begin to change your life. You're looking for water. Jesus saying, I'm here. Get up and take up your mat and walk. And that man got up and he never picked up that mat again. Can I tell you? All right, guys, I'm re- I'm through this time for real. That was the gospel presentation. That was there was no repentance and faith in that. It was it, it was just pick up your mat and walk. And uh, there was no you're a sinner in need of a savior. This is language all throughout breakthrough and storytelling and cool clothes. I, I don't think they're cool personally, but many people think they're cool. Uh, he tried to be a smooth talker and a good talker and a good communicator, uh, but people are going to be drawn to this and they have been, like I said, this church has, has grown up since this sermon, uh, aired or came across. It's now a lot of, a lot of theatrics there and a lot of stuff going on, but this is, this is troublesome language coming from a quote unquote pulpit. Uh, there's no pulpit. There's just a stage and lights and all of these things. Again, methodology can be discussed, but I, I it's not the, the, hill we're going to die on here. The hill we're going to die on is the false theology and the false doctrine coming out of this pastor's mouth. And this is the problem Like with people like Furtick is Stephen Furtick produces more little Stephen Furtick's and false teachers produce false teachers, which are going to produce false converts. And those people that are teaching false gospels or no gospel at all, as this guy has not preached the gospel, uh, they should be accursed again. If you remember from last week, uh, I ended with a passage out of Second Peter, and I'm going to do it again because I think it, it bears repeating. But false prophets like Pastor Adam here also arose among the people just as there will be false prophets among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. I pray that Pastor Adam truly repents of his sin and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ because he is leading people astray and he has not taught the full gospel. And And you may say, well, well, how do you know that? You didn't listen to all of it. I listened to it and you are more than welcome to uh, go there, find uh, Pastor Adam, how breakthrough begins summer at Active Church week one. Uh, you're more than welcome to go listen to all 39 minutes of that. I apologize for listening to more than we probably should have, uh, but I wanted you to hear some of the language and see that that uh, these Furtick lovers produce uh, false converts, and this is something that just repeats itself. We need a new reformation of churches, pastors, believers. We need a reformation again to happen. We are in October. This is the what the 504th or 5th years of since the reformation the protestant reformation uh, my math could be wrong 1517 so 2021 minus 1517 whatever that is uh, some of you may can leave me a comment in 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 or an email and let me know what that math is but um we're in october and we are celebrating the reformation and we still need a reformation. One of the cries of the reformation is semper reformanda, which is always be reforming. We need to always be reforming and we need a new reformation to get away from this uh, the breakthrough stuff, this kind of language, this kind of false teaching and gospel that is plaguing many and creating many false converts. So would you pray for a new reformation that God would restore the pulpit back to American churches and churches across the world, that the true word of God would be taught, that these secret destructive heresies would be removed? 
and that true men of God would step up and use their platforms not to be quote unquote professional Christians, but to be men that God has called them to be, to preach the text and teach the people how to apply what God has said through his word. We need a reformation badly in this world. We need to get away from this. Church is not cool. Church is for the glory of God and for the building up of the saints. So I encourage you to pray with me for churches to change, people to flee from this type of uh, this type of sermon, this type of theology, this type of doctrine, and that God would change their hearts by allowing them to understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. And I pray that these churches would be shut down because people would leave them to go to biblical churches that teach the true gospel. So pray with me for a new reformation. Pray with me that these churches would cease and pray with me if they don't cease, that they would see the error of their ways through the word of God and they would begin teaching the true word and the true gospel. So I hope this has been helpful to you. If you, if you know somebody that's caught up in some sort of teaching like this, then I would encourage you to let them listen, maybe show them, teach them, train them, and point them back to biblical teaching. Point them to biblical churches. There are many places out there where you can find biblical churches in your area. Uh, you have to do some research and some work just because Acts 29 and 9 marks have kind of have gone a little left leaning from the last I've checked, but you can find solid churches on their church finders through Acts 29 network or nine marks. Uh, they have a church finder, but the founders ministry also has a church finder. So find you a biblical church, do a little work, do a little research, do some homework, compare what your pastor is saying to what you hear in this video and what you've heard Stephen Furtick say in the last week's episode and really challenge your leadership to get back to biblical principles, biblical theology, so that you can rightly understand the Word of God and apply it to your life. Thank you so much for listening. I know it's been over an hour now, uh, but we are going to end this episode, and I hope it's helpful. And as always, please comment. Uh, please, I, I don't say this much because I don't want to seem like I'm begging you, but if you would, feel free to subscribe and maybe like and comment on this video. I love interacting with people and I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on this. And if you don't want to send a comment through YouTube or Facebook, please feel free to email doctrine matters podcast, all lowercase, all together, no spaces, doctrine matters podcast at gmail.com. I pray that this has been helpful again, and I pray that you would get in the word, stay in the word, study the word. And until next time, we're going to keep sounding that alarm. God bless.